The people, the places, and everything that makes country racing great. This is Bushbeat on Radio Tab. At the 600 metre mark and moving days been in front from the outset. Leads by two to Zoichi and two to Camarosa closing. Also try to be good taking off from the back. Rostrum dropping back into the field with Madonna Falls and Colbank Cavalry. On the point of the corner, moving day in front, but not for long. Try to be goods taken off from the back of the field and shoots to the lead. Zuichi's to third, then Rostrum, and over on the inside, Camaroso, but try to be good from last to first is bolting away try to be good wins by three to moving day four to zoichi camarosa ross from madonna falls and colbank cavalry was always towards the rear of the field that was try to be good taking out the des johnson memorial class b at Tarum on new year's day as we welcome you to Bushbeat for another week here on radio tab and another year happy new year to all of our country racing folk who tune in each and every week to catch up with all of the country news. We don't have a lot of news to catch up on this week because we lost most of the program at Emerald on New Year's Eve, unfortunately, and Tarun was the only other meeting that was scheduled for the weekend. There were non-tab programs through the week at the likes of Warwick, Townsville, Rockhampton and Gatton, and we've got another busy-ish week coming up this week with some tab programs, but as far as the country scene is concerned, things have gone into that usual Christmas, New Year, quiet period. We're going to talk more in detail about that Tarun program and plenty of other news as we roll through on the show today. And as always, catching us up with all of the news is Rob Luck. Good morning, Rob. Yeah, good morning, Tony. Uh, still down here in Brisbane at the moment, being a little bit of a delay and uh, on a medical uh, operation now pushed back a couple of weeks, but we're we're sitting and waiting patiently. But, Tony, the Tarun meeting, and by the way, Happy New Year to you, family, and all our listeners as well. Um, because Tarun brings about that big day on Saturday, 1st of January, and they always have a wonderful day. Great to see the country life uh, pictures that come through of uh, the Tarun meeting. But we always get hit with this question every year around this time when people hear the Tarun meeting because it's uh, a left-handed track. And uh, we get asked every year, how many left-handed tracks are there in Queensland, Tony? I get uh, the usual sort of yeah trivia come at me, and I think we've ascertained that it's only four. It is correct. That is correct. Four to room. Uh, and of course, Nurama is one of the others, as well as Birdsville and Baduri. And of course, with the interruptions of COVID-19, etc., uh, there's uh, been a few of those hit and miss in the last couple of years. But definitely four left-handed tracks. And I think we even researched a bit to find out that when they designed this track at Tarum, something to do with the uh, the surveying or the architecture involved with it and the setting of the sun meant that uh, that's why they ended up with the left-hand track at, at Tarum. But that's a, a brief synopsis. Yeah, so the answer to the lines. question, folks, is four. There are four left-handed tracks in Queensland. Yeah, well, Tarum had a good crowd there from what we could see of the pictures coming through on the on the Bit Racing Australia coverage, and you can catch all of that at Racing Queensland's non-tab replay page. We're going to uh, highlight one of the other races from the program, Rob. It was Memorial Day, and always great to see when clubs do honour some of their uh, their past uh, involvements with uh, the races that they had there on New Year's Day. They had the Bill Joynson Memorial, the Owen Brody Memorial, the Sam Barlow Memorial. We mentioned the Des Johnson Memorial. But then there was this one, the Bob Scott Memorial, that was taken out by Raiden. 
at the 500 metre mark and last Armageddon slipped away. Last Armageddon put four links on uh, running to the outside. There is Raiden and it's the business Fab's Cowboy dropping off. On the point of the corner, 250 to go. Last Armageddon in front. Down the outside after it is Raiden. Last Armageddon in front, but Raiden closes the business, closing quickly. And Raiden on the outside races up, beats Last Armageddon. And Fab's Cowboy followed by Hutton Chow. Abroy, it's the business. Radipold, right and I should down. mention too, Peter Flynn with the call there on New Year's Day at Taroom. Robin, it's Flynn's birthday today. Won't give away his age, but uh, happy birthday to you, young fella. He's been calling around that neck of the woods for many a year now. We normally highlight Peter around Roma Cup and St George Cup time, but he's been the voice there at uh, Taroom for uh, many a year as well. Yeah, happy birthday to you, Peter. Great to hear that call there. And uh, that's a quality little race. And great that you mentioned those memorial races, Tony. I think it's just a significant aspect of this particular program. And uh, just very quickly, we be, before we go to our guests this morning, uh, looking at the program, try to be good. We heard the call there for the Michael Hammings-Robbie Farr combination, the Squamosa five-year-old. It, uh, it's two from four now at 1,400, so it was a decent win. The program had opened up with Bob Murray from Idesville getting the win with Walshy, Morgan Butler on board, the walking or dancing eight-year-old. First win in 12 starts since July, but uh, a good win there at Taroom. Uh, the uh, Eurozone um, six-year-old mare, a Euro rockstar. I love it, Tony, when I go to yearling sales and you can follow horses' uh, progress through. I can remember inspecting this particular uh, galloper by a Eurozone. I think it was a Kalinga Valley um, stud entrant uh, that Jody Ma was uh, presenting. It's a six-year-old mare now, and it's won its first race there at Taroom. So the progress from yearling sales to racing, all part of the uh, the mystique of uh, of uh, racing. It took the Owen Brody cutest maiden. And uh, Kim and Shane McGovern had the win with Tap the Till down from the North Queensland area. Now in the McGovern stable, it took the uh, Sam Barlow Memorial um, at the ex-North Queenslander after form in Mackay and Townsville. But look, that, that race at Raiden won... And, I mean, Paul Hamlin, great to see Paul going out there. And, of course, Johnny Mansman, I think this might have been John's first visit to uh, to room. Uh, but this was a good feel when you consider last Armageddon, the last uh, winner, Fab's Cowboy. We all know the, the great record of the Bush champ. Uh, at this time of the year, to get that and to get the win for the first time over 1,400 in three attempts, uh, good effort because this galloper, Tony, came off a fifth in the stampede that we saw not that many weeks ago. Uh, we weren't able to annoy Johnny Manselman this morning. We know he's pretty busy up there. Uh, but we are able to get stable representative and budding apprentice jockey Jay Doolan on this morning for us to talk about Raiden and a few other issues. Uh, welcome to you, Jade. And before we go to Raiden, can you fill us in on what happened with you for Emerald? Because Bootshaker was the only runner that won on the day with the program being abandoned. But I believe you had a bit of truck trouble getting to Emerald on the day. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Tony. Um, yeah, that's correct. We were on our way to Emerald um, and had a breakdown. Um, thankfully, where we pulled up, we were about 20 k's um, Mackay side of Claremont. Um, thankfully, the driveway we pulled up in um, happened to be a very, very lovely farmer, um, and he he was driving into town as we pulled up, and he took us into his shed. And for the next couple of hours, um, him and John worked on the truck and got it going again. So um, that was really grateful. One that the horses were um, in a big, cool, shady shed, so they weren't too bothered at all. And 
Um, Raiden was fed carrots the entire time, so he wasn't he wasn't too phased. Um, but yeah, we got back on the road. Um, we were about uh, 20 minutes off being at the track. Our first two runners had to be scratched. We were about 20 minutes off getting to the track, and we got the phone call saying the races were off. So yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a forget day for everyone, I think. Yep. I suppose the amount of travelling that particularly your stable and, and most country trainers do, you'd be surprised if you didn't have a truck breakdown at some point during the year, wouldn't you? Yeah, t- touch wood. I mean, ours, ours do a lot of kilometres, um, but they also um, get a lot of maintenance and that. And um, this was just a, a, a malfunction. John had replaced the tyres only the night before, so unfortunately we ended up blowing two brand-new tyres. Um so, yeah, it was just one of those things that is going to happen when you're travelling. So um, we're fairly prepared, but um, having the use of, of the gentleman's shed was a, a huge asset um, and mostly just being in the big shady shed for the horses so they weren't bothered at all. Um, but, yeah, getting everywhere you go, you obviously got to expect a flat tyre or something like that. It's just part and parcel with travelling. Jay, we often talk about uh, trainers trying to place their horses to best advantage. You always put your horses in the worst company and keep yourself in the best, uh, as the old saying goes. But at the moment, I guess it's not that easy to try and place your horses when there is the diminished amount of meetings around this uh, Christmas New Year period. Yeah, exactly. I, I think uh, um, well, uh, most most of the country people, I think, do um, tip most of their horses out this time of year. Um, but but for us with the larger stables that you know have to sort of keep operating, um, it is it is a bit harder to place them. Um, thus the two room meeting. Um, the reason we're going to Cairns this Thursday, um, they don't earn money in their boxes. So um, whilst they're in work and racing, um, like you said, you've got to place them in, in the worst company so that you can try and get an earn out of them. So um, it's yeah, just a matter of getting in the truck and going. Yep, and it's still, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's John's first uh, attempt to go to to room, and maybe Raiden will enjoy this left-hand way of going. But being an open company horse, it's never easy to produce the goods when you're up against horses like Last Armageddon and Fab's Cowboy. But Jade, what I was impressed with this is his third go at the 1400, and sometimes you'd put a real query against him at the 1400. But he's been in some really good form without winning. Um, he's actually had the 14 wins, and it's his fifth win for your, the stable there. Uh, you would have been confident going in, but it, it must have been so pleasing to see the way that he won that race. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he he knows how to gallop. We don't have to do. We don't have to teach him anything. Um, at the moment, all we do is keep him happy. So um, he does nothing really. Or he's our lead pony. Um, every new horse in the stable gets swum off him at the beach. Um, he absolutely loves the water. The hardest hardest part of his day is his water walk. Um, I, I joked that he was going to um, fire himself last week because John actually jogged him three days in a row in, in preparation for the step up to the 1400 and the look on his face when he got let out for the third day was like, uh-uh, I'm not a racehorse, I'm going to the beach. So um, it obviously worked. John knows what he's doing. But, um, yeah, he's he spends most of his time at the beach and in a grassy paddock with Shiranda and Bernie's Tiger. Yeah, he, he he's a bit of a social media star with you and, and I believe he loves splashing the water as his favourite pastime. Yeah, he, he prefers to just stand there and, and splash and John prefers him to walk through the water. So... Um, there's a bit of a head clash between those two, but he always gets his way. It's basically whatever Raiden wants he gets sort of thing, so we, we just listen to him, really. 
Well, he's a stable favourite. And uh, any idea of where John plans to go with uh, Raiden after such a good win? Uh, no, we just sort of see suitable races for him. I know that um, I think there's a plate race at um, Emerald coming up next Emerald meeting. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't do a lot um, between races and he doesn't do a lot in general. So the last um, couple of days since he's got home, he just goes out in the paddock. Um, he's He goes out with Sharanda and Bernie's Tiger, the three old boys spend a few hours out um, in the mornings when it's not too hot and then out again in the afternoon. So um, he, he won't do a lot now between now and his next run and he won't do any fast work. He'll just have a couple of trot and canners and that's about it. The trucks will be on the road again, as you mentioned, with uh, cans coming up. Now, just for our listeners, is there any that you would particularly lean to to suggest that uh, there might be a win in store? Could it be Cochrane's Day to take a cutest win at all? Yeah, I'd, I'd really, really like to think so. Um, he's got endless ability, but he's just a bit of a trickster. So um, same same with him. We've been not treating him as a racehorse. We've been doing a few different things and trying to... Tr- not trick him, but trying to convince him that, you know, winning is a good thing. So um, hopefully I think he'll be a horse. So once he does get a win and once he puts it all together, I, I think he'll work it out. But he's he's done well and he's going well. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a, a good run out of him this week. And are there any more Palomino thoroughbreds that we <laughs> could look to? Because Milky Rocket, he wasn't too disappointing, was he, at Tarum? He was close up in, in fourth, and he's uh, another one possibly going to camps, and I noticed his place there is a good second. Yeah, um, I, I'm very confident with um, Shane going on. Shane gets the best out of anything you put him on, even if it's paying $200, he'll he'll ride it like it's a dollar ten favourite, so um, more confidence in my jockey than anything. Um, he has placed there, um, and you know this distance will, will suit him a lot better. Um, I'd I'd like to see him in the money, but it's a Palomino, so we'll just wait until wait until he does actually does something. <laughs> but he's listed as a three year old chestnut colt on Racing Australia. He is, I know. I really wish I'd changed that because I don't know what they... Well, I've got, as you would know, the, the paint horse, he's listed as a brown as well, I think. So I'm going to turn some heads when I lead him into the enclosure, that's for sure. Yeah, we know that you have a passion for that and, of course, that world record with the uh, the win at... Uh, now, which was it? Uh, Springshaw. Claremont? Springshaw. Springshaw. That's yep. great to see that. But now, talking about um, careers... We know that you're on the uh, path to a apprentice uh, jockey career and you were so close to getting that underway and then you've had a hand injury. What's the progress with the injury? Uh, I noticed you were riding trials on the 22nd of December in Townsville. Uh, what's the progress and when do you hope to kickstart the career? Uh, progress is going good. My hand, um, I, I broke my hand and had to have it plated um, just in a... Um, incident in the wash bay. I got pinned by a horse and, and come off second best. Um, I'm at my 12-week mark this Friday, um, so I have my final x-ray this Friday um, and I'm heading to the Sunshine Coast on Tuesday uh, to do my final trials. Uh, So all going well there. Um, I'll be able to apply for my upgrade after that. So this this Tuesday coming up, that's great to hear. Sunshine Coast, plenty of trial rides um, already booked in? Uh, yeah, so the, the 11th I'm going, not um, so next week. Um, I've got two for Trevor Miller, so 
um, that that's great. I only need to do one. Um, I've got one left, so having the two and, and Paulie Hamblin said he'll help me out to get a few more, so make the trip worthwhile. Yeah, Paul's certainly a willing helper for all jockeys around the areas and, of course, riding Raiden to that victory for the stable. And has, the, uh, has your master uh, targeted any particular meeting or horse to put you on first up to get that elusive first up winner? Uh, he hasn't. I have. I the, <laughs> the plate race for Raiden. Um, I've I've strictly told him Raiden will not be retiring until I get to race ride him. Um, so that's that's my goal. Um, but no, not not really a, a set race. But I'd I'd like to kick off on on one of ours and um, one of the nice old campaigners that that will help me and um, you know give give me a good first experience to kick me off. What's what's the as you look forward to this? What what do you think is the greatest challenge? What brings about the most nerves for this first race day? Uh, just not to disappoint. Um, I know how much work um, goes into them every day, all day. Um, so my biggest thing is we'll just be giving, following instructions as best as possible, and and giving everything every possible chance because we all know how um, how much work goes into them, and it's really disappointing when. Um, you know, and instructions isn't followed or, or something like that. Obviously, um, you're not going to be perfect every time you get legged up, but um, just trying to get the best out of every horse and, and give them every possible chance. Have you been saving up some of the best excuses that you've heard on return to scale from some of the jockeys like Nathan Day and Justin Stanley? You know, oh, I just didn't handle the track today, boss. Oh, no, yeah, just yeah, slow away. Have you got some of those grubby day type excuses all ready to go? John's already told me if I slaughter him, I'm riding in the back with the horses on the way home. It's going to be a real long car ride home for me. So that's probably good incentive to, you know, do my best. But obviously things go wrong um, in every race. They don't always go to plan and, and we're only human. So we're, I'm, I'm going to stuff up. It's only a matter of when, not if. Um, so, yeah, I'll just I'll be doing my best and, and hope the horses can, can get me over the line. Yeah, good good attitude to uh, have, and uh, I think the biggest uh, thing for any jockey, and maybe the biggest challenge sometimes, is the ability to just quickly think on your feet or make that quick uh, split second decision that uh, at least you've made it, and uh, and you have to live by it uh, uh, with the result. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you, you're going at very fast speeds, and and you've got a second to think, and that's why jockeys like Justin Stanley um, are so good because they can make those decisions basically without thinking it it just comes natural to them so it's going to take me a long time to learn that as any apprentice but um as long as you learn from your mistakes and i think you, you can't go wrong you're going to be one of the well the many number of the uh, lady jockeys out there and they're going so well with all the young apprentices your name's going to be up there with them very shortly which is great to see jade but um, there's one other area, and Tony's going to uh, mention it a little bit more detail, I think, um, that we often talk about when you own horses and in the racing industry in general and the ability to to look after our horses in uh, post-career situations. And you mentioned as these horses like Raiding get an oldie, you don't want to see him retire yet. But your stable is one of the many, and every trainer I've known, they've made a real effort to make sure horses have a life after racing. Just tell us some of the ways that you... Uh, in in the Rocket Lodge situation, go about finding a life after racing for your horses. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're with them, um, you know, sometimes twenty hours a day, so you really get to know their likes and dislikes and, and quirks and what you think they'd be good at. But 
I think the most important thing is is the start they get. Like um, you got to teach them to be a horse before you can teach them to go fast. There's no point teaching them to go fast if they can't stop and start and steer. So I think, um, and I, I see a lot of trainers uh, and a lot of pre-trainers doing it now, putting them over truck poles and taking them on trail rides and just teaching them to be horses and and the basic education before you get them gone in circles as fast as they can. So um, I think, and even just it was their everyday. Um, everyday things like a, a couple of our first two-year-old starters for the year, um, which were um, Tuffy Rocket and, and Dovey's Day, two days before they had their first race start, their work was a trail ride for the day. So, um, you know, they, they don't have to go fast and in a circle every day, but if you can make horses out of them during their career, um, finding them a home the day they retire is, is easy because they already have that grounding, they already have a nice mouth and, you know, you're always going to get your rats that aren't going to be suitable to go and, and do pony club. That's where you got to decide what, what to do with them and, and see if you can lead them into, into a different career um, other than, you know, pony club or, or something like that. So some of, I know from personal experience, the horses I've had with John that, you know, they go off, some get, go off to young riders. Uh, I see there's a particular Palomino that's gone off to a uh, particular uh, area and doing a great job in the show ring. Yeah, definitely. He, um, you know, he, he was a, a big one, obviously, because he was pretty. Um, I would show him the day after and the day before he'd race. But, um, you know, I've done the same with Sharanda. Sharanda was... Um, a flower boy at Elise Beek's wedding and, and race two days later. So it, it doesn't matter what what horse it is, as, as long as you can expose them. I think if you safely expose them to as much as they possibly can during their career, um, when their career is over, uh, well, their racing career is over, well, they, they can slide into a new career easily, obviously. Some of them might need a break or, or some of them obviously do need a bit of retraining. Um, racing is very different to you know, dressage and hacking, but the the foundations of start, stop and, and even just little things like tying up. I, I know when I take my race horses to shows, you look over at the pony club horses and there's three people holding them because you can't tie them up and I've got six horses tied to the side of the truck and, and they say race horses are crazy. So it's just about getting them to do it during their career and um, we have a lot of mares that actually go and be polo cross horses and, and they they have a high demand for thoroughbreds because they are so well handled and, and well mannered. I've heard of quite a few that, yeah, they end up, uh, they become quite good musterers because they're so good around other animals uh, and things like that. But they end up going into three day eventing. There's so many other areas where some of these thoroughbreds can go off the track. Yeah, definitely. Well, well Rob knows. Um, one one that we raced for him really rockets he was a lovely little horse unfortunately had absolutely no ability and he's um he teaches four and five year olds to ride at a riding school in ingham and he's their go-to their go-to horse for beginner riders and he was a three-year-old off the track and obviously he was sold um to experienced handlers and they obviously you know gave him a couple of months work prior um, but in a very short time frame, and, and Royal Coopers at the same home, uh, in a very short time frame, they're teaching. Um, I think Royal Cooper even had some disabled riders on him, and um, yeah, and um, really Rockets is is one of their best school horses at the moment. You, I've got several videos up of him walking and trotting with young young kids learning to ride on, and and he's their best horse. So they they really can go on to do anything.
and and the good thing I know from the experience of that, Jade, is is you continually get updates from the new owners because they're so, so thrilled to have a horse that's uh, doing so well for them. Yeah, definitely. And and one of my biggest things is um, when we do sell a horse, um, you know, if you ever get to the point where you can no longer keep it, you you just decide that you don't want it. Please offer me first choice back, or please let me assist you in rehoming it. Um, because it's the ones that, you know, sell them to someone down the road for $500 that end up then starved or not looked after because they don't know what they're suitable for or what they're good at or how to look after a horse. So um, any any horse we sell, I'm, I'm heavily involved or I'd, I'd try and remain heavily involved in, in following their careers um, just to ensure that they, they always have a good home, not, not just leaving me, um, but, you know, in, until their time is up, that they always have a good home. There's been some wonderful advances in uh, horse welfare, uh, both on the track and off the track, and some wonderful organisations that are now involved in uh, after-race careers. And I guess with that comes a cost, and with that comes some fundraising. And, Rob, this is what you were alluding to. There's uh, discussions going around at the moment and seeking expressions of interest for people to be involved with a city versus country uh, T20 cricket game between, uh, as the name would suggest, city and country, likely to be held in Brisbane uh, on the northern suburbs on Monday, March 7. That's the tentative date at this stage. It's all still in the planning stages. I know Larry Cassidy and Pam O'Neill and Maddie uh, Peters from On The Bit Racing Australia are heavily involved in getting it all forward, but they're looking at raising money for some of these uh, off-the-track type charities to assist with uh, welfare of these horses post their racing career. And it might not just be a one-off, like you, you see the National Jockeys Trust uh, fundraiser game that the uh, the jockeys and race participants get involved in. There's talk that this could be three or four times a year that they get together and, and travel these batches around. And I know there's uh, a couple of high-flying, uh, can, can we say, racing participants want to be involved, but even some high-flying cricket people. Andy Bickle, who's part of the uh, the Brisbane Heat coaching team and Queensland Bulls organisation, is a great supporter of uh, the uh, the Country Racing Awards, Rob, and, and he's very keen to get involved and hopefully he's going to be able to bring a few of his friends with him. I'm quite sure Andy's going to be there. I'm almost tempted to bring out the wicket-keeping gloves, uh, Tony, from years <laughs> ago, but my, my knees might never work again afterwards. But isn't it great to see, Jade, that, that you're getting this sort of following behind? And and uh, is there more, in your mind, are there extra things that need to be done? Yeah, definitely. I think just more assistance for the trainers. Like, um, obviously, we're very lucky. We've got um, our own property and, um, you know, if something just needs a break or if we are looking for a home and the right home doesn't come up we can pop them in a paddock and you know keep them in until we find that right home but the trainers that you know are stabled on course in in cities like brisbane and and even you know sydney and melbourne that that don't have the luxury um i guess we probably just need that stepping stone for them where you know there's somebody that's willing to take the horses on and until that suitable home comes up because a suitable home just doesn't pop up overnight um, but, you know, if you can hold on to them, let them down a little bit and let them get all the feed out of their belly, um, that I think that assistance would, would be great because not every trainer or, or owner has that luxury of just being able to walk them across the road to, to their own paddock sort of thing. So if, if trainers could get a bit more assistance like that, I, I think would definitely help the, the off-the-trackers immensely. 
And there are the uh, there are organisations involved. I know Laura Chessy, his name is one uh, off the track thoroughbred, does a lot of work. And uh, also there is a uh, I think there's an executive sort of group involving the the breeders etc. With Racing Queensland, who are trying to find solutions all the time to this. And maybe the progress is a bit slow in happening in some ways, but there's but there's definite progress in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Even even just with the shows up um, up this way, there's a lot more off the track. Um, classes now john and i have sponsored quite a few and i guess even just little things like that getting thoroughbreds out there um i took district and sharanda last year to one um sharanda won the the lead thoroughbred gelding and he raced in um, brisbane three days later and and just getting the thoroughbreds out there and even in work ones just to show people and and the show horses that thoroughbreds aren't so bad and um i actually sold district um through through that um that show so um he went on to champion c crystal and jono campeo and and through the photos and and people seeing him at the show when he came time to retire people knew him had seen him out and and he was snapped up you know the the day he retired um so even just having that avenue to get them out there and and prove to people that thoroughbreds can be great horses um, the, the classes are helping immensely. I think we had maybe 10 or 15 off-the-track sections last year, um, whereas the year before we wouldn't have had one. So, so there's definitely uh, the ball is rolling. Um, as, as long as we can all work together and, and keep it rolling will be the main thing. Yeah, well summed up and uh, great to hear the individual examples that are happening and the more that we hear, uh, the better. And uh, you mentioned that Emerald meeting coming up in February that you're aiming Raiden at. I take it that's a uh, a good opportunity for you and John to attend a certain awards night that particular Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll be there again this year. Um, ho- hopefully Emerald meeting goes um, goes without incident. They're having a bad run, the poor buggers. So hopefully they can get everything in line. And because um, it's a great day, um, it's a great lead up the night before, and the race day is a great atmosphere. And then the awards night. Um, if you haven't got tickets, it's it's definitely something you you need to go to because it's a it's a great event. Yeah, I know tickets are almost sold out. There's only a handful here and there that are left over. So if you've left it until now to get your tickets, you're almost missed out. But you want to jump on the uh, the Facebook page for On The Bit Racing Australia and be able to uh, organise your ticket sales through there because it's going to be a cracking weekend. We've got so many uh, awards to hand out and, and uh, some wonderful nominations received this year. Rob, this, we don't have time this morning to be able to go through them all, but looking at some of the nominees, especially in the Hall of Fame for the jockey, horse, trainer and participant, some wonderful stories to be told out of some of those Hall of Fame nominees. They're always, I think, the highlight that you wait for at the end of the night, Tony, and just to hear the detail of the record of achievements. And uh, there's so many fitting choices that uh, can be made, and it's just great that the awards night continues on each year. So another one that we can uh, look forward to. And uh, as Jade said, yourself and John uh, there on the on the uh, evening, hopefully a winning day all round. Been great to have you on again, uh, Bushbeat Jade, uh, not only with that history-making effort with the Palomino Thoroughbred the last time you were on, but just great to hear the detail of what trainers and owners do go to for ensuring the uh, off-the-track uh, success of their, their thoroughbreds. And congratulations and pass on to your master there in John, uh, the win of Raiden, very well-deserved on the weekend. Thank you very much, Rob and Tony, for having me, and a uh, happy new year to everybody. Great to have you on the show this morning. Jay Doolan joining us there on uh, Bushbeat this week, and those... Uh, uh, the date for that uh, Queensland Country Racing Gala Awards, of course, is Saturday, the 5th of February, 
now that we are in 2022, we can start saying this year and, yes, down to the last couple of tickets to be sold there. As we said, Rob, there wasn't a lot to talk about from what happened on the track uh, last week, so a good opportunity to talk about the off-the-track stuff as it, uh, as we've been outlining there with Jade this morning. Just a couple of quick highlights out of some of the TAB programs through the week. We had two last Tuesday at Warwick Babatilli and Kenji Yoshida each road doubles and Colpo di Tamburo took out the uh, Magic Millions Country Cup qualifier, which, as uh, Anthony Collins said in the call, was something of a record. It was the Trevor Shaw Memorial Race, and it sound, I think uh, off memory Anthony said it was the fourth time that Colpo's won that memorial and the yes. third Magic Millions qualifier that he's won. Yeah, he's four from four at the track and distance, Tony, and uh, third Magic Million qualifier. But interestingly, I think he's only ever been to one country Magic Million race, but he then targets the cutest one the following week for the last two years, a seven-year-old by drumbeats. And what a great example of a good old horse, 383000 in prize money. Just loves that uh, track and distance. And the Warwick Newmarket was the other one of his four from four. So a great achievement there for the Roach Stable. Lacey Morrison had a double at Townsville on Tuesday. Ryan Wiggins rode a double at Rockhampton's program Thursday. Ricky Vale with a training double. And then on New Year's Day at the uh, the Gatton meeting at the Lockyer Valley Turf Club, uh, Jasmine Cornish rode a treble, Zach Lloyd with a double, and Ros Cavani uh, trained a double at that program. So well done to all involved at those meetings. And then, as we said, coming up this week, uh, tab programs for Thursday at Cairns, Friday at Mackay. Saturday is that Magic Millions Country Cup meeting at the Gold Coast Turf Club as part of the tab wave. There's also a tab meeting at Townsville on Saturday. And it's Wombo Cup Day for the Bell Race Club coming up this Saturday, the 8th of January. Yeah, it's always an important one, that Bell meeting. I notice the social media is starting to flow around for that particular meeting. And uh, again, any great stories coming through, just email me at barkersnews at optusnet.com.au. Hopefully I'm getting back there one of these days shortly, Tony, but uh, hopefully back again ready for Bushbeat next week. And, and as we don't have many races, it's great to be able to feature some in-depth uh, interviews with people um, like Jade and... Uh, last week as well. We haven't put, we haven't really put the knockers on too many yet, although I do notice Gemma Steele's had another little injury out of the saddle, but she did have a double after we had her on bush beat as well, so we, we, we haven't jinxed them yet, Tony. <laughs> we'll hopefully keep that uh, winning <laughs> run going in 2022. Thanks for joining us again this week, Rob. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, listeners. Thank you to Rob Luck and Jay Doolan for joining us this week on Bushbeat. Good luck to all of those who are off to the races this week and into 2022, and we'll catch you again next week on the show on Radio 10.